1: So in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say I'm both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education and my training, my experiences and my life's observation uh, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, Uh, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, and I also practice some related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. Um, With these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, and community and small business finance areas, i spent the greater part of the last 40 years both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence and the economic autonomy of women and people of color, including, uh, I might add, indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military bred, as I shared with you before, um, I really... Um, focus on and believe in supporting our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen, and women, and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system, and especially after these folks separate from the service. As such, I proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military, and as I shared with you before, I had the great fortune of being able to spend time with both my grannies and these women were super duper to me and they ha- had these they were so sweet but they had the will of steel and that's because they faced the four great economic challenges anybody but especially black women had to face in the last century that is to say they both lived through the great depression world war ii and the systemic and misogyny that you know is ingrained in every aspect of our American society, unfortunately, to and through today. And you know, they also share with me great stories about their kin uh, that managed to live through um, the Jim Crow South. And it's because of them, I'm always on the lookout and happy to help uh, seniors, especially women, especially women of color, if they're having an issue with someone messing with their money also known as financial elder abuse. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more importantly and more probably these days the lack thereof as we face inflation and our overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your business financial health wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your more detailed search for information next tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances. And hopefully I can provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your assets and or your debts. So today I'm going to continue the discussion. And it does have to do with your assets and your finances. But we're going to continue this discussion I started with you last week when I share with you the how and the why. I finally came to realize why I have been in such a bad mood and for the whole damn month of May. Or, as I said the last time, you know, how May turned out to be my terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month. And June is starting off just as badly. And it's been terrible because of the terrible things that we're seeing or and reading about in the news, including you know the wholesale murder of Blacks in Buffalo uh, by someone advocating red pilling that has to do with the Matrix uh, movies, and the great replacement theory that led to this person killing Blacks and others, thinking it's OK to kill Blacks and other non-whites as sports. And uh, we've come to find out that there's no early warning system for parents to prepare for the fact that um, there's not going to be enough baby formula around for a while unless we import it from overseas, which is kind of strange when you think about it. We normally are delivering baby formula to places overseas that doesn't have it, but, you know, we have to deal with these things. These days. Also, that we have to realize that COVID 19 really didn't go anywhere, it just went off on a little vacation, and now it's back in town with its new best friend, monkeypox. And, you know, we also have to, have to deal with every day just about the tragedy of mass murders of, of little children and their teachers in Texas and now healthcare providers in Oklahoma. By people using weapons of mass destruction, that is to say, weapons of war, that so um, mutilate human beings that if they were used on Bambi's mom, no one would be lining up to have any of that venison. And it looks like, you know, in some instances, the police don't know what they're doing. And we know our politicians have lost their mind, in my mind anyway. So I think these are all very bad omens. Uh, That our way of life in America, um, we might be facing some terrible times ahead and we just might as well uh, get prepared to deal with them in reality. So what I discussed with you last week, although um, how I might personally take issue with abortion for my own psyche and my own physiology I and I do, I don't think I have the right to tell other sentient beings what they must do with their own psyche and physiology. For you see, I became pregnant on my 17th birthday as a teenager on the night that my former spouse proposed to me while I was on the pill. And that was the very same week coming up to the Christmas holidays, that I had found out that I had been accepted into every college I had applied for, and they were all offering me full-ride scholarships, and so after consulting with my own God, and my very human father and grandmother, as you know, as well as the father of the child, my (laughs) to-be husband, you know, in the future, I was given the choice to decide for myself how to proceed. Now, on the one hand, with everyone willing and able to help me raise the child, if that's what I wanted, so I could go to school, even if I didn't want to get married. Or on the other hand, they all agreed that they would help me arrange to leave the state of Mississippi to terminate the pregnancy, because at the time, Roe v. Wade hadn't passed, And having an abortion was illegal. They said that if that's what I wanted to do, although I knew nobody wanted me to make that second choice, they left it up to me because it was my body and my choice as it was my future. It was my choice. You know, and I'm glad to say I'm glad every day that I decided to have my child. So this isn't about... My having to have an abortion and not being able to have one—it's about me deciding that I wanted to have the child and I had the full support and love of my entire family, but outside forces were trying to make it such that I really would not be able to take care of my child. So you're saying, what are you talking about, Selma? Well, um, you know, I, 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 first let me let me share with you this. Um, I had an unexpected pregnancy, but I had already talked to my dad. I had a frank discussion with my father about the fact that I had fallen in love and I wanted to be with the man that I loved, but I didn't want to get pregnant and nobody wanted me to. And in those days, unless you were an unemancipated woman, uh, either your father or if you were married, your husband had to get involved in your medical decisions. And as such, I needed my father's permission to get birth control. And he agreed, because he's a smart man. And he authorized his mother, my grandmother, to accompany me to the pediatrician. Yes, I was still technically a child going to a pediatrician. And we got a referral to the OBGYN clinic, where after an examination, I obtained the pill. But evidently, the dosage was not correct. And I got pregnant anyway. So, but I, I I want you to understand that I had a loving family, my father and my family, and a man who loved me and wanted to be my husband. I was not going to do anything. Instead, I had to deal with the narrow-mindedness, racism, and misogyny that I believe this whole debate about abortion is a shield for. In my case, it was the administration of the newly integrated high school I was attending and about to depart within a couple weeks that refused to let me sit for my final examinations, and that meant that I could not graduate from high school. So that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from our break. How I believe a lot of this discussion and machinations is not about people believing in the sanctity of life, because I don't think they do. I think this is all about controlling women and controlling their economic mobility which is wrong so stay tuned we'll continue our discussion on the other side
2: now back to selwyn's law Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion on the connection between my sense of foreboding in my terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month of May, and how maybe there's some things out there in the ether that are going to make me feel better and you feel better too. Now, before the break, I told you about how um, I had an unexpected pregnancy when I was 17 and on the pill and just about getting ready to graduate from high school and was trying to figure out do I want to go to high do I want to go to college as a married person or do I want to be single and go to college because my grand and my dad and my uncles they were going to help me raise the baby but then my uh My boyfriend then, he wanted to get married and he was in the service and he wanted me to travel around with him. So that was the decision that I thought I had to make. And it was a very hard decision. Um, It would delay my going to college if I decided to get married and go off with him. But I felt like if I didn't go off with him, my my child would be like my sibling. So it's like, you know, that was a hard decision for me to make. But that wasn't the problem that was confronting me. In my case, it was manifest by the administration of the newly integrated high school I was about to depart. When about two weeks before I was to sit for my final examinations in April of 1972, I got called down to the principal's office and was informed that, inasmuch as there were rumors being banded about that I was pregnant, he demanded that I prove that I was not pregnant. And if I did not, provide that proof I would not be allowed to take my final examination and therefore would not be able to graduate from high school. Now as a good lawyer in training I was even back then I denied the allegations and asked arguendo well even if I was pregnant what purpose would be served by not allowing me to graduate from high school and go to one of the great colleges that he and everybody else in the school knew I had been accepted to. Wouldn't it not make it more hard for me to raise a child, any child uh, that I may or may not be carrying in the abstract? To which he replied that my being pregnant would not, and they would not allow me to graduate because they, if they did, it would set a bad example for other, and let me get this said properly, negra, N-E-G-R-A, girls who needed to learn that they must keep their legs crossed or face the consequences. So I came to the conclusion this wasn't about um, anything other than controlling Black girls' ability to make a living and take care of ourselves and our families. And I thought this was a pretty pernicious form of toxic masculinity and racism. Now, that principal's stupid response was all that I needed to hear. Let me be clear, in his mind, if I were pregnant uh, and he was going to put me in my place and there was no way for me to get around that medical fact if I were pregnant, but I don't think he really thought through the choice that he was offering me. If I really were pregnant, The only way that I could prove that I was not pregnant by the deadline that he had given me of two weeks, and that's when uh, final exam started, was to have an abortion and then report back from a doctor that I was not pregnant the following week. So, again, I don't think he realized that he was actually sanctioning my having an abortion in a very obscure ass backward way. Now, although he likely thought I was too stupid to figure out that fact. However, as I informed you, I wanted my child, and my whole family supported that, whether I got married or not. They just wanted me to go to college and continue my education. So, like normally I do up until this day, when faced with rules that I consider to be stupid, signifying nothing, that don't make any sense, with the help of others who shall remain nameless, I found a way to provide that proof that I was not pregnant by the deadline and therefore was able to take my final examinations, graduate with my class, and receive the diploma that I'm looking at right now dated May 31, 1972. Now, because the very kind doctor provided me with proof, I I, I need, um, and he may have violated the law even though, Um, even if that law was broken, if any, I'm sure the statute of limitation has long since passed. Nonetheless, out of my deep respect for this doctor and his family, I will keep the specifics to myself. But there's two things I want you to know about him. He was a well-respected white doctor in the state of Mississippi. And all he wanted in return for me and my family is that he can, I continue to be the good person he believed me to be and to do the best I could to raise my child properly and go to college and kick butt and make good grades. These are the same admonitions my own father gave me. So I've come to the conclusion based on my own life experiences and life observation. It is as therefore my firmly held belief that invading a woman's right to choose how she conducts any part of her physiology is wrong culturally, legally, and yes, I must say spiritually. Culturally, you all should know that unlike what's being bandied about as the truth in the ultra-conservative media, a Abortions were allowed in this country by custom from its founding up until about the mid-19th century, when men, via their primary medical associations, began to lobby the government to limit the license and practice of midwifery in America, which up until that time had been one of the healing arts assigned, or better said, relegated to women to deal with their and other females reproductive issues because men didn't wanna be bothered with such mundane matters as baby birthing and pregnancy termination. Since time immemorial, women have always done this work in their old countries and bought these practices with them to our shores. So the male uh, physician said, why bother? However, beginning around the 1850s, when more and more newly minted doctors, all of whom were men, initially anyway, came to the fore in America, they needed more practice areas to make a living. And therefore, they decided that they were going to encroach upon the territory that had been the reserve, the preserve for midwives, such as taking over childbirthing as an area of practice that they had basically brushed aside. And one way to do this was to convince the powers that be that abortion should be banned. So more babies could be born of a particular kind that would be born. So as to not be replaced by the Irish, Italian and Jewish immigrants that some in our country believed at that time were overtaking the white Protestants that founded this great country. Nothing really changes. Legally controlling our body's autonomy are matters that our constitution has left to us as individuals in the Ninth Amendment, which leaves to us those certain God-given inalienable rights that even though they're not specifically enumerated in the Constitution, there are unalienable rights, and also the 14th Amendment's liberty interests. Spiritually, as we witness every day, people attempting to force their religious belief upon others, in my opinion, goes against one of the most important tenets I have taken from my research in Christianity as a Christian. And that is to say, Jesus asks all of us to come to our faith of our own volition, not foisted by others, not propped up by others, not forced to eat the religion of others. And that our only mortal sin is that of when we have full knowledge of God's existence, we turn our back on him. It's also taught that all other sins, through the grace of God, can be forgiven, including taking a human life, as we witness more and more each day. Well, which brings me back to the matter at hand. Early this month, we all found out that it appears that uh, the Supreme Court, in the case of Dodd, B. Jackson's Women's Health Organization, the court is going to overturn uh, Roe B. Wade, which is the 50-year precedent that came out the year after <laughs> I became pre- uh, pregnant and has been around for two generations of American women. And it gives women the right to control their autonomy. Now the powers that be want to take that away from us. Well, I have a bit of good news for you. Here in California, a group of lawyers have decided that they're not gonna have us be re- relegated to being brood mares. that I discussed last week. Uh, it's a group of uh, the Legal Alliance for Reproductive Rights will connect people who are pregnant with uh, and facing civil suits and criminal suits back in their own states out here in California, they're going to provide legal services. Uh, for individuals who are having problems. And I'm going to close out by giving you the contact information. It's headed up by the San Francisco City Attorney. And you can reach uh, the City Attorney's office by dialing area code 415-554-4700. So I am going to leave it there for now. But as always, in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stand on the right side of the law, including the laws that help us live our lives with the full benefit of our constitutional rights and guarantees of our privacy and liberty interests under the 9th and 14th Amendment. Till next time, take care. Bye for now.